Welcome to the Fueling the Future podcast, the video version where we get to the bottom of issues, trends, and developments in transportation energy. I'm your host, Tammy Klein. I'm the Principal Consultant with Transportation Energies. And with me today is Jimmy Samartis, who is the CEO of Lanzajet. So as you all know, I've been doing a video podcast series for the first time, and I'm focusing on sustainable aviation fuel. Um, So I'm really happy to have with me uh, Jimmy on the program today. So let me tell you a little bit about him before I welcome him formally. So Jimmy's the CEO of Lanzajet. He has been leading the company uh, through a scale-up in technology and production. He has a 20-plus years uh, career focused on climate change issues and advancing the decarbonization of industries reliant on fossil fuels. He's the former chief executive of a $2 billion operations business unit at United Airlines. He's led renewable energy industry first, including commercial scale refinery, flights, um, and global carbon deals. Uh, And he earned his MBA from the University of Oxford. He has an MA from Johns Hopkins University and an AB from the University of Chicago. I can think of no better qualification to be in this space and to run Lanzajet. Uh, Jimmy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tammy, for the kind introduction and thrilled to be here to talk about an important topic. Great to, great to have you. So, Lanzajet is a fairly new um, uh, creation, new company. So can you tell us, especially for folks who may not be so familiar with sustainable aviation fuel or SAF companies, can you give us a little bit of an overview um, of Lanzajet and uh, the Lanzajet process? I would love to. So uh, I feel privileged and honored to be in this role, uh, to be taking a company that has truly been on a 10 plus year journey uh, in getting us to the point of when we launched and when I came into the picture. Uh, Lanza Jet was officially launched in June of this year, of 2020, I should say. Um, and uh, that comes on the heels of a ton of work that's been done by Lanza Tech, um, the US Department of Energy, in developing the technology and scaling it up to a point where we can take it from here and commercialize it across the globe. Uh, Lanza Jet has such a rich history in terms of its relationship with Lanza Tech, which was founded in 2005 in New Zealand, uh, focused on finding ways to recycle carbon. And starting in 2010, that journey uh, within Lanza Tech uh, started focusing on how to get uh, the recycled carbon that they were able to capture from industrial waste gases and municipal solid waste products and converting it into ethanol, how to take that ethanol and convert it into higher use fuels, um, higher value fuels. And that's where Lanzajet comes into the picture. Lanzajet's technology takes ethanol, which is widely available today across the global market. Uh, but we, hadn't, we have a focus on waste-based ethanol. Uh, so we, we tend to uh, want to find sources and, and create supply chains for waste-based ethanol. And we take that ethanol as the intermediary and convert that into sustainable aviation fuel and renewable diesel. So our, our process is, is one where we are at the final scale-up stage. We are developing our biorefinery in the state of Georgia here in the United States uh, as the final scale-up uh, step in our, in, our, in our process. So uh, the facility in Georgia will produce 10 million gallons of hydrocarbons, uh, and that's a combination of sustainable aviation fuel and renewable diesel. So we're on a great path. 
we've had a successful launch. And then beyond Georgia, we also have plans to develop uh, four additional facilities across the globe, along with our uh, partners and investors and with Mitsui, which is a Japanese company, Suncor, which is a Canadian company, Lanza Tech, uh, and so on. So how do you see Lanza Jet um, you know, continuing its scale-up plans? How, what, do you, what does the next five years look like for you all? Yeah, we've been uh, public about the fact that we uh, want to see SAF in the marketplace. We think it has a very important place in aviation and uh, in the evolving consumer mindset as well in terms of traveling sustainably. So our, our goal has been to get to 100 million gallons of production by 2025. Um, I would say that uh, we are well on our way. Uh, we just uh, last week uh, in the early part of January announced a new project in Central Europe where our Lanzajet technology will be leveraged uh, for a new biorefinery there. So um, between the work we're doing in Georgia, the work in Central Europe, uh, the projects that our shareholders have committed to by 2025, uh, we fully anticipate that we will have um, at least 100 million gallons of hydrocarbons uh, made from sustainable ethanol in the market by 2025. So how do you see, so that's sort of the, the LanzaJet uh, Lanza um, short-term vision. Um, how do you see overall the SAF market evolving, let's say over the next 10 years? And, and, and concurrent to that, what kinds of policies do you see that are that are beginning to shape up to support the, the scale-up of SAF? From my perspective, it feels like we are truly at an inflection point for the industry. It seems that we have airlines who are uh, firmly behind getting to net zero. We have governments who are also um, supporting through policy mechanisms um, and um, other programs. Uh, to help us uh, commercialize. Uh, consumer mindset is shifting as well, um, not only in traditional parts of the globe, but in others where it has come much further along in this COVID environment that we've been in. Uh, so, it, And technology, most importantly, is actually at a point where it can scale up. There are some proven technologies, including ours, that are right at that tipping point where we can start to develop significant volumes of SAP. So I expect that within the next 10 years, we will have made a good dent in the need for SAF, uh, but it's not an easy path, right? So there are important attributes that need to continue to, to develop and to fall in place, including policy mechanisms uh, to support the commercialization of it. Um, you know, as we come out of COVID and as we return to a, an environment across the globe where people are traveling again, uh, the commitments that are being made by not only airlines, but their corporate customers as well uh, to get to net zero um, are creating the right pressure points and the right demand and the right um, structure of incentives and support to help us get there. So what is more meaningful for you all? Is it, um, and, and when I say you all, I mean the industry uh, from, from your perspective. Is it uh, mandates? Is it um, price supports? Is it, um, you know, something else uh, in between? Is it loan guarantees as you begin to, you know, construct second, third, fourth, fifth, uh, plant? Um, are there particular policies that are more effective 
um, in your view than others in terms of really providing the support necessary for the scale up. And by the way, I think SAF has hit uh, an inflection point too. I've been calling it, it's, it's SAF and hydrogen. That's another a subject for another day, but it's like, it's like the, the new black or, or visa. It's everywhere you want to be. Um, so I think something has happened um, with SAF, um, this confluence. And what I, I actually think is really interesting about this is that we are in a pandemic where the airlines really are struggling. People aren't able um, to, uh, to travel and to, you know, to see uh, loved ones and do the things that they, they want to do. Um, and yet, you know, here we are having these really serious um, conversations where I think we will see policies of some kind, even in the in the United States, to support SAF. I mean, I, I think that's really you know interesting that the, this inflection point is happening. The interest is there, but the market market situation now isn't that great um, for for the airlines. Um, so I wonder if you had a thought about that, and also on this this question of what are the what really what policies really are in your view, it's just be, especially being on both sides, um, are, are, do you think will be the most effective for the industry at the end of the day? So from a policy perspective, uh, it is clear to me that a, uh, a basket of policy mechanisms, if you will, um, are, are extremely influential and helpful in commercializing uh, the SAF industry. Let's use Lanzajet as the example. The U.S. Department of Energy for us has been a great partner um, as we've scaled up our technology, not only in getting us to where we are now, but they're also participating in this final step in developing the facility in Georgia. Now, there's a there's a significant grant from the U.S. Department of Energy that is part of that for us, which uh, is critical because these these facilities are not cheap; they are expensive. Um, the you know feedstocks sometimes can be pricey. Uh, so anything that we can do to reduce the cost burden on the companies that are producing the fuel to create fuel products that can be cost competitive is important. So grant mechanisms like what the U.S. Department of Energy has, and as uh, again was announced with our flight project um, in Central Europe uh, through the European Union Horizon 2020 program, um, those are those are uh, significant tools, if you will, that we have found to be helpful. Uh, you are seeing mandates uh, showing up in countries in Europe in particular, yeah. um, which uh, we also think are uh, extremely helpful to mandate uh, the, the, the need for use of SAF uh, in the industry. You have countries like the United Kingdom, where the prime minister has established the Jet Zero Council, mm-hmm. bringing a new spotlight on the importance of sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, we are actively working in the UK and with the Prime Minister's office uh, and in partnership with Lanza Tech to help inform that process and help inform uh, the programs that, that could be helpful. Um, you know, and for us here in the United States, the renewable fuel standard and the low carbon fuel standard in California are also extremely helpful instruments. Uh, and we're seeing additional states in the U.S. who have an interest in developing their own LCFS-type programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see activity in Canada on a clean fuel standard. Um, all of these, all of these are, are quite helpful. Um, one of the more important things that we're seeing surfacing um, these days is uh, corporate 
partners, corporate customers to airlines, for example, who, as I mentioned, have a strong desire to get to net zero. When they look at their scope three emissions, the uh, majority of that for many of them comes from transportation, transportation of their people and transportation of the product. Um, so they, they are also working to help uh, bridge the difference perhaps in price between sustainable aviation fuel and conventional jet fuel um, and are participating in the process. That is also encouraging airlines to want to play in this space and to want to commit to a future that involves SAF. What we've also found interesting is that even in this COVID environment, even in an environment where travel is significantly down, mm -hmm. there are airlines around the world who are using this as an opportunity to focus on their future and who see that SAF is absolutely critical um, to how they uh, need to operate uh, in the years ahead. And we've heard from some airlines that, you know, that is one of two priorities, right, that they're focusing on during this environment. So. You know, even though the industry is hurting, uh, we're also seeing a strong focus on enabling the development of this industry. So I'm encouraged. I'm super encouraged by all that's happening with governments, all that's happening with airlines, and also the corporates that I mentioned who are uh, helping to enable. Um, and as I mentioned in our world, uh, it's a combination of all of those things that actually come together to help us uh, commercialize. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting because it's what's happening with the airlines is very similar, if you think about it, to what's happening in the refining industry, where, yes, I mean, a lot of people aren't driving, a lot of people aren't going places, demand is really, really down, um, but you can see that there are more investments Mm -hmm. um, than ever uh, coming out of Europe and coming out of the United States um, to, you know, to transition refineries. I mean, the one that's getting the most attention is renew renewable diesel. Um, but of course, we all know, I think the industry has its eye on, on other fuel types um, as well, including, SAS, including SAF. So do you have any thoughts about, you know, how you're, how you're seeing that, but that there are parallels about, you know, with those industries, it's like, you know, everything's changing um, and they are, um, you know, trying to, uh, if not get ahead in the game to be in the game <laughs> in the future. I, I, I think you're spot on, right? Uh, there is an energy transition that's happening, I think, globally. Yeah. I think your major oil and gas players are uh, not only seeing it, they're participating in it. Um, and uh, as much as there is a focus on renewable diesel, we're finding a uh, similar focus on, on sustainable aviation fuel. Um, not to mention one of our you know, founding shareholders, if you will, is, is Suncor, um, who mm -hmm. has made this uh, a big part of their strategy by investing in us and, and participating with us in the growth and commercialization. Um, so we are, we are for sure seeing that. Um, and as you can imagine, we're in discussions as a technology provider. We are in discussions with uh, a wide range of uh, refiners and oil and gas companies across the globe who have an interest in uh, leveraging the technology to participate in this energy transition and uh, remain relevant uh, mm -hmm. in the future, uh, which is I think, a, a big part of what we're seeing as, as their strategy. Yeah. So... If let's say, well, first I want to come back to to the U.S. because what I'm seeing is um, it, the thing that really really struck me. If you look at the 
um, Democratic plans, the House plan, the Senate plan, and the Biden plan. What, what's really striking to me is, you know, in, in previous years, the focus would really be on, um, okay, we're going to improve fuel economy, you know, electric vehicle tax credit, you know, and really the, the policy focus would really be on the light duty fleet and maybe to a certain extent, the heavy duty fleet. But what's really um, interesting, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how things develop um, as pres- President-elect Biden takes office, is um, you know how that will expand. Because if you look at those plans, there are aviation-related um, provisions in those plans too, um, and they run the gamut from um, you know more fuel efficiency standards for the uh, for aircraft, but also you know potentially a national LCFS that would um, also include um, you know jet fuel. Um, and and actually, we can apply that to marine too. But that's not your <laughs> that's not your focus area. <laughs> Although but, we do um, produce diesel as well, right? So we can, yeah, exactly. we can support the industry. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I think is really really fascinating. Is there is a more holistic uh, vision, if you will? Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. But it's we're not talking one sector uh, any anymore. We're talking cross sectoral. And um, even if we just see RFS reform or we see a national LCFS, I can't help but think that that's only going to be good uh, for the industry. Agree? Uh, Agree? (laughs) We're thrilled, right, that that, uh, the change in administration uh, is forthcoming, as well as the change in uh, in the Senate, Uh, all things that we find encouraging in terms of uh, potentially providing uh, the right programming, the right support to further enable the development of this industry. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, I started in this space back in 2008, 2009, when yes. there was very little going on, right? And very yes. few were willing to stick their necks out to motivate an industry to, to, to um, look at SAF, test SAF, uh, and participate in that process, right? And yeah. Yeah. when I think back on the 10 years that have passed, and that uh, we're here today with still very little production of SAF in the marketplace today. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am encouraged by is uh, the inertia um, that now exists, um, the interest and energy behind it that now exists, the technology um, that has become more sophisticated and, and ready for commercialization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only imagine that having the right supportive uh, government in place in the U.S. will only bolster what seems to be, to me at least, um, you know, we're in a good place, but will become better with the right uh, uh, infrastructure of, of policy mechanisms across the country. Um, LCF, LCFS for me is a great example where if we can leverage what's been done in California on a broader scale where it's technology agnostic, focused on the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, um, that creates uh, a lot of the right momentum um, uh, to enable us to do what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it is a sea change. Um, I remember those years in 2008 and I really remember when, um, for example, Neste first gave a talk and I think it was like 2005 and, you know, they had the folks from Finland come and present their uh, next BTL, which is what it was called at that time. Now it's NY Diesel Technology. 
And people laughed at them. I mean, I was there. I mean, I actually saw people and people thought they were ridiculous. Um, and the industry, the, the refining industry, other uh, the whole industry thought they, they were ridiculous. Um, can't happen, can't be done, can't. And it was really the same, I think, initially with, um, you know, with, with SAF and developing the, the, the specs, which, you know, was a process <laughs> within ASTM, even in itself, simply to get the standards in place. And, you know, and here we are in, in 2021, um, you know, it's a totally different story. The Neste product and other renewable diesel products, SAF products are, um, you know, uh, fully commercialized or about to be and scaling up. And it's, it's such a different situation. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting to reflect back. It's not that long ago. It's not. And as you're speaking, and I see the smile across your face as you're sharing that story, you know, I feel equally good about where things are and where we're headed. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, the journey hasn't been for the faint of heart, right? I mean, getting not only those standards in place, but... The valley of death is no joke, um, I'm told. <laughs> so very, to very true. Uh, and, you know, if you look at the pathways that have now been approved, um, new technologies that are still, you know, 10 plus years away, uh, you know, we're doing all the right things. Uh, we need to do more of it. Uh, our time, the time to do it is now in terms of our world and as a global society, we need to be acting now. Um, and, you know, the industry that we're looking to support, aviation, doesn't have many other options right now uh, and, and won't in the near term. So SAF has to be part of uh, the picture for what airlines are focused on. And we're seeing that focus uh, across the board. Uh, it is still developing in some, in some uh, parts of the world and with some airlines. But generally speaking, you know, the, the interest in it has certainly shifted. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to be part of uh, now bringing that to life, right? Um, a lot of the work that's happened in the last decade has, has gotten us to this point, preparing us for this moment. Um, and it's exciting to be part of the Lanza Tech and Lanza Jet journey uh, and to take it forward from this point. So last question, let's say um, there is a little bit of push, push, pull in the in the 2020s, let's say, and, until policies are, are set and settled and implemented um, or, um, you know, um, you know, or, or let's say, you know, the worst case scenarios is, is those policies don't come to, to be. Um, how do you see the market um, impacted? Do you see growth uh, regardless, um, perhaps smaller growth, or do you think the trajectory is is really set? And it's because of these other dynamics that you're also talking about with the airlines and uh, their business partners and, you know, this real ESG sort of, sort of drive. I'd love to be able to say that I think we're there, right? But I don't think we're quite there yet. I think governments still need to play their part. Um, and it is an important um, uh, lever, if you will, in commercializing uh, technologies and, and creating a cost-competitive product and so on. Um, you know, so government policy is absolutely still necessary. That being said, um, the level of engagement, the level of support, uh, the level of uh, financial involvement from uh, corporates, tech companies. You're seeing a lot of activity out of Silicon Valley, for example, right? 
Um, that is all very beneficial, very helpful. And it's, it's helping us get to a place where we can uh, get to a point of volume and commercialization and scale where you know, we can reduce the price in the product as well to be competitive. Um, so uh, a lot of the right makings, um, I think, are, are, are happening. Policy continues to be important. Uh, you're also seeing others who are stepping in to actually fill the void of policy that may, that may not be in place. Um, so those are all good things. But I'm not. I'm not ready to let the government off the hook yet. I think, <laughs> I think we still need. We still need help. Um, and and I think I'll, you know we're on the right path. So that's the show today. Uh, thanks so much for listening and for watching. And Jimmy, I want to thank you so much yeah. for uh, taking the time uh, to be with us today and to talk to us about Lanza Jet, uh, Lanza Jet, and SAF. It was a pleasure. Real pleasure. Same here, Tammy. Thanks for having me on. And uh, it was great to be a part of the discussion. Thank you. And if you are looking for more uh, information, analysis, viewpoints um, on transport energy issues, uh, for those of you who are listening and watching, please go to my website, Transport Energy Strategies. You can sign up for my biweekly newsletter. There's all sorts of fun stuff and articles, posts, uh, from myself and other thought leaders in the space. Um, and of course, there are special um, special events um, and uh, online events uh, that I'm doing, um, and you'll get access uh, to those as well. So thank you so much for, uh, for listening and for watching. <laughs>